I love Gay Palm Springs with John Taylor, comedian Shan Carr, and Gay Desert Guides Brad Fur. Okay, we were on uh, Hot in Palm Springs yesterday, and we were asked, why do we do this show? And I'm like, because I learn things. Today, I'm going to feel so dumb. Why? Because we've got like a PhD, we've oh. got, you know, award-winning journalists, we've got, you know, oh, so I'm just going to sit back and, and listen and learn and laugh. That's what we do here. And I it love was Dave pretty Spring. fun watching, watching, listening to us try and answer those questions. My favorite question that Nicholas Snow on the show Hot in Palm Springs asked us yesterday was, you know, what is the most difficult topic, the biggest struggle we've had with the, you know, a story that we've delved into? And I, we all just sat there with our mouths kind of hanging open, aside from the reality of day-to-day -day stuff. Um, and then I made some joke about how we were really, you know, like all very much engaged in the will the dine and dasher get caught or not. Yes. that was our yes. gritty story that we really delved in that's that's an, that's like a two-parter on uh csi palm springs it was it was it was that's so funny so well welcome we really have a, a cool show and i'm so looking forward to uh speaking to the guests we've got some really amazing people who's on deck today well, first of all, Smidge is already barking his way outside to greet all of our guests. Uh, today, we have Stephen Biller and Cesar Garcia Alvarez are here to talk about Desert X and all the art that's going on with that. So much cool stuff. Jimmy Bogle from the Coachella Valley Independent is gonna give us our news and a little bit of snark if we're lucky. Uh, Ronnie Sandlow, she is an amazing, amazing woman, author, speaker, educator, political activist. And she'll be here talking about her latest projects. Also, David Perry is gonna give us a little update on what's going on with Asia SF. They opened, then everything closed. Yeah. We can't wait to see them back open again. So looking yeah, forward what to a, a really good show. That's a gem. That place is so well done and I look forward to that. Did you guys see the spray paint? on the rocks in front of the uh, Indian land installation for uh, Desert X. No, I'm no. not. Somebody tagged like the rocks and it's not big rocks, but it's, and somebody said, this is why we can't have nice things. Huh? That's what they wrote on the rocks? No, no, that's oh, what darn, the, the Facebook post was. that would have been ironic at least, okay, <laughs> It was just some, one of those tags that was somebody's whatever spray paint logo. We don't have one of those for right. I Love Gay Palm Springs. And please don't spray paint it anywhere no, near no. anything. We'll be in trouble. We'll definitely yeah. be in trouble. That makes me sad. I still haven't gotten out to any of the Desert X stuff. I need to do it. Yeah, well, today we'll have our full guide and they'll uh, give us some of the things now um, uh, with Stephen Biller and, of course, uh, with Cesar. So that's going to be, I think, a really interesting. There's an app for that, of course. There's an app yeah. for Desert X and I, I've downloaded it. But I'm like you, Shan, I've only seen like the one that's down by Lovato Reese. That's the only thing I've seen because I happen to drive by it. So I think we need to get out of town. Road trip, road trip. Art is not always convenient. Hey, I also wanted to mention uh, Papa Dance Pizza and Pasta. That is an LGBT-owned business. Who would know that um, they started this thing? He and his partner started this thing years and years and years ago. I think it's been like 20-some years um, that Papa Dance Pizza and Pasta has been in Palm Desert. Right there on Country Club, they're at the Bristol Farms Plaza. 
Yeah. And uh, they have donated a $25 gift certificate to us today. And we thought we'd try something a little new today. Um, so we're going to do a secret word contest. So for the secret word contest to win your Papa Dan's $25 gift certificate, we told you what the secret word is on our I Love Gay Palm Springs page and the Gay Desert Guide Facebook page. When you hear that word, you just drop it into the comments during our live stream between 11 and noon on Friday when you're first seeing the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast, and I'll send this beautiful gift certificate for $25 from Papa Dan's to your door. How's that? Very Dude, nice. I don't even, I know it's not their their slogan, but pizza, pizza. Pizza, pizza. <laughs> it's always a craving for everybody, pizza, pizza. So yeah, there's actually a be new- careful. You don't there's want to get, new, a, get a sued by uh, <laughs> There's a new app out called, I think, Za or something like that, where it's combining all the pizza restaurants together in one app. I just saw it advertised last night for the first time. It seems like a bizarre, weird little, like, one of those things they would have had as an internet company back in the early 2000s when it all right. crashed and burned. Well, this container ship certainly lodged itself into the side of the canal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Shall we try and refloat this bitch? I think we should. You want to tell us who's bringing us the show? The show is being brought to you in part by our friends at the Palm Springs Convention and Visitors Bureau and the Bureau of Tourism. We're going to be continuing the We Are Palm Springs campaign. Uh, next week on the show. Super. Next on the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast, Desert X is in town, and we are so excited. There is weeks worth of trail traveling around from sea to Salton Sea, from mountaintops to downtown Palm Springs to see all the things that Desert X has to offer. And uh, two people that are highly involved with Desert X, Cesar Garcia Alvarez is a curator, and uh, he's a writer based in Los Angeles, co-curator of Desert X this year. And Stephen Biller, you've joined us before. He's the longtime editor-in-chief of Palm Springs Life magazine. He's also a board member of Desert X. That's the biennial exhibition of site-specific art in the Coachella Valley. And with that little introduction, Cesar, welcome this morning. We're going to start with you. Um, tell us how long you've been working on this project and how everything came together. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you this morning. Um, I, uh, so I'm the co-curator of this third edition of Desert Action in the Coachella Valley. And I joined um, as co-curator at the end of 2019. So I've been involved for a little over a year um, organizing this. And I was actually introduced to Neville Wakefield, the artistic director of Desert X, through a mutual artist friend. And we began having conversations in 2019 about sort of his vision for um, you know, the project and, and what he what he hoped to do with, with the next edition. And over the course of a few months, we share, had a really productive exchange of ideas around histories of land art and about some of the, you know, my own kind of personal relationship to the Coachella Valley. I was raised in Mexicali, just really close to here, and I have family in the East Valley. And so um, eventually after all of those conversations, Neville invited me to join them. Um, as its co-curator. And so um, here we are. It's been a great process. We've been working with a lot of artists um, through quite a challenging year, but um, yeah. we pulled off an exhibition and I'm, that I'm incredibly proud of. And, um, and it's, it's really sort of, it's been really special to, um, to spend time in the Coachella Valley and to see, um, you know, all the, there's a really vibrant creative art scene here. Um, yes. And so it's, it's just been a real pleasure. 
You know, having these uh, uh, exhibitions in museums has been a real problem in the last, uh, you know, 12 months. Did, Mm -hmm. Did Desert X have to pivot a whole lot, you know, being uh, installations that are mainly, you know, outside. Is there big changes this year as opposed to last year? I I would say that, you know, it's not a show about a pandemic, but it's a show inevitably shaped by one. And I think that manifests in different ways. What became very clear to us early on, um, you know, I was announced as a co-curator in February and then three weeks later, everything shut down um, right after like my first round of, uh, of site visits with, with potential artists. Um, I think that we, what, we, what was clear and what we knew is that we did not want to um, postpone the exhibition. I think there was a clear understanding that we wanted to try to figure out how to find ways through which we can actually realize a project like this under these conditions. Because at some point, you know, as weeks passed by, we saw museum shows canceled, gallery shows canceled, and that has real consequences for artists. That means less opportunities to show, to produce new work, to have an opportunity to be supported in that way. So we knew we wanted to continue. There were things we had to change. I'll, I'll admit that when I joined Desert X, I had an idea for a show that would look maybe slightly different, uh-huh. that was a little bit more... Um, locally rooted where I'd be able to have more extensive collaborations between artists and, and, yeah. and local creative makers. But at the same time, I didn't want to endanger anybody by having, you know, in-person meetings or, you know, having a process that depended on things that just weren't safe. So there was logistical things that we had to pivot with, you know, develop a system so that our installation crews were safe, so that testing was happening, yeah. so that our team was protected. Um, and also, you know, not being able to hold space with others in experiencing art was, was tough. It was definitely a difficult, a difficult experience. But either way, I think that, you know, the team really sort of created a model in a way that I think a lot of our colleagues at other exhibitions like ours are now looking to in terms of what it means to organize a large scale show like this in the midst of a pandemic. Sure. Stephen, what um, what what things did the board have to do and what some of some of the considerations? Didn't you even look at putting this off or canceling it altogether? No. (laughs) Good. No. Um, You know, the thinking is that this is an outdoor show um, to begin with. And it was really about um, how we were going to move people around and um, and make it safe for visitors to come. So there are health ambassadors, volunteers, docents, security folks out during uh, peak hours uh, to make sure that people are masked and they're, you know, well spaced and um, uh, and it's going really well. We haven't really had any incidents of, of people not wanting to wear a mask. And you know, everybody's been very respectful and we're very fortunate about that. And um, and, I, and, and I gotta say that uh, Cesar has been just an incredible addition. I mean, I think he's been transformational for the show, quite frankly, in terms of really dialing into the local populations here. Uh, the, 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 the artworks cover some, some really serious ground in, in dynamic ways. Um, uh, for you know, he'll talk about uh, Felipe Baeza and, and uh, um, queer people of color and how uh, they're represented in the show, but right. other issues that are covered in indigenous lands with the big, um, you know, Indian land installation called Never Forget by Nicholas Gallinan and, um, you know, we're covering um, 
social justice and racial uh, you know, issues with um, uh, Xavier Simmons and, uh, and immigration uh, with uh, Eduardo Sarabia. Um, so, I mean, it's just such a great connection to the people and the place. And I think um, more so, I think, than any year, it, it's just so well dialed in to the populations, the communities here, and uh, and the landscape itself. And it, it's just, I think it's an, an, an crazy impressive show. Think about Cesar. Are you blushing? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Stephen, for your kind words. I'm really I'm proud of the show. Yeah. No industry lends itself more to tilting its head and taking a new perspective than a group of artists. The, the event itself is designed to be outside. I think you guys just took that ball and with all the freedoms that the project itself lends itself to, you ran with it, you spiked it, you oh. whatever football <laughs> analogy I'm a bad lesbian. <laughs> you made a touchdown. I really, we, each of us, all three of us now, I want you all to commit with me to get to every installation before it comes down. I, I hereby undertake okay. and promise to go to all Desert X installations. So go. help me, Cesar and Steven. <laughs> Really is the point of the show is to get people out and see the desert from a whole new perspective um, and learn about where they live a little bit. And, you know, I have watched people literally uh, uh, fall to the ground at Eduardo Sarabia's piece because they connected it, you know, connected to it um, so closely. Wow. Very powerful, very powerful. Yeah. And just an excuse to get out for people. Absolutely. You know, there's even people who have been vaxxed and, yeah. and you yeah. know, just getting out is not what we're used to. And so this will help us, you know, like, like Shan says, be a gateway. Well, a gateway to having emotions and feeling things. And right, because even that we've kind of had to click off our need for constant feeling and connection and all of that. And this is a great gateway to that too. It, I, it's I all been on the screen and now to see it in person and live yeah. and, and to be able to see it, it, especially within our entire valley here. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people think, you know, art of, you know, they think of it as, you know, paintings and sculpture, but you know, this is, this oh, is God. an opportunity to really, have a look at what art can be and, and the impacts that it can make and the way it could touch people. Yeah, and I think, I think you know, um, this whole year has been framed by a narrative of survival, like from a very basic way of ensuring the well-being of people to, you know, their ability to sort of survive and have means to survive. And I think that's been so daunting. And it's been a year where all of the information we've been receiving is a bunch of statistics and numbers and color codes. And I think that, you know, we're talking about the necessity for, you know, like all these different kinds of aid and support. But I also think that, you know, we have to start thinking about what the aftermath of this moment is going to be and looking at the mental well-being of folks The you know, there's families that have been homeschooling. And I think when we think about issues of inequity, that's something that like really shaped a lot of my thinking when I was working on this show was, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of folks that, you know, can't can't don't have a means to provide all those extra activities for children for families and this is sort of a great opportunity to have an exhibition one of the first kind of 
you know, cultural moment to actually realize since the pandemic started. Um, and it's sort of been really important to me as we do outreach that we make sure that we're doing, you know, um, reaching out to Spanish speaking press and press in other languages that communities understand that there's a free, it's a free show. The exhibition itself is much more geographically compacted this year than in previous years. Um, and, and the reason for that was also, you know, we weren't sure we were going to be able, if hotels would be open, but also I wanted to make sure that families maybe in other parts regionally that, you know, can't afford to bring a family with four kids on a weekend trip to, to the Coachella Valley could do a day trip on a Sunday and come in early and see the show and drive back home. And so that was really important. And then I, I have I have to admit that I think the relationship that Stephen was mentioning earlier about making sure that the pieces felt like they belonged here was incredibly important for me from the beginning of the show because these histories of land art or land or art in the, in the kind of broad landscape, you know, are histories that are largely dominated by straight white men. And in terms of like the, that, that part of art history and making sure that we approach the show in a way that acknowledge that this desert is in an empty void, is in a playground for creators to come and extract and take from, that there are communities here that either by choice or necessity call this place home, that it is a border region, that it is a space for queer communities and queer communities of color as well, that it is indigenous land, that there are, that this is a sort of an incredibly creative and vibrant place. And that the exhibitions build on that rather than approach it as, you know, a place that is, that is sort of devoid of that. And so that's why you see exhibitions that attempt to create conversations between issues that are important to people who live here and to communities that live in places like this elsewhere. Fascinating. Absolutely you hit it the nail on the head there. Damn. That's mission wow. accomplished. We're so happy to have you uh, co-curating the, the exhibition. Thank now, you. the next time this comes around, might you be curating again? Is this something where it's always <laughs> something? No, but is it is it something where it, it, it always changes, the co-curator changes, or is there a possibility that you might get the gig again? It, 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 I think that exhibitions like this operate in a healthy way by having curators change because yeah. then audiences are afforded different opportunities. What I will say, though, is mm -hmm. that um, I have plans to do other work here, and it's something that's sort of been growing in over the past year. I run a, an art nonprofit organization. In Los, we have a space in Los Angeles and a space in Mexico, and, um, and we've done off-site projects, and... Um, don't be surprised if you see the mistake room have a presence in some capacity here in terms of, of working on maybe some pop-ups or, or, or interesting projects. I think it's been, a, it's been something I've been thinking about, yes. The Mistake Room, don't let that go yeah. by. That was, that was his original <laughs> title on, on the Zoom today. Like, the yes. Mistake Room. And you will always have a spare mistake room in Palm Springs waiting for you. Indeed, indeed. And Stephen Miller, before we go, let's uh, talk about the April issue of Palm Springs Life, which is on newsstands now. <laughs> well, uh, the nice thing about the April issue is it includes a copy of the Desert X program. Yeah. So you'll be able to um, get a two-in-one on the April issue. Um, and uh, there, there is, you know, before we switch to Palm Springs Life, there, there are uh, two additional installations opening in April. 
Um, and one of them is by Felipe Baeza. And uh, Cesar, you want to talk a little bit about that, please? I do. Uh, and, and I think it's, it's um, and we have, I haven't talked about it anywhere else, so you'll get a, a first, the, 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 the first sneak peek of this. But, um, you know, we plan the show with multiple moments because in order, you know, usually when you see an exhibition, you think that you come to the opening event and it's over in three days. But the idea was to create multiple moments of engagement. So in April, um, the weekend of April 9th or the 11th, one work goes live by an artist named Christopher Myers. And at the end of April, there's a permanent work, which is going to be the only permanent work in the exhibition, meaning that it will stay on well beyond the life of Desert X. And it's a mosaic town mural by an artist named Felita Raeta. Um, I love every project in the show, but I will say that this particular project um, is incredibly personal for me. Um, Felipe is um, a Mexican-born um, artist, I think one of the most interesting and one of the most kind of promising Latin artists working in the country right now, based in New York, um, grew up in Chicago. And when he came to the Coachella Valley, he um, was really interested in tackling on some difficult uh, local histories. Um, he was looking at the ways that, you know, the mural scene in the East Valley that, you know, pays tribute to the labor movement fails to include queer folks of color that were also in, very involved in the movement. And, you know, it's, it's a difficult sort of subject to touch on. And he was also interested and um, looking at spaces that support and cater and uplift lives of queer communities of color. Um, and we found multiple sites. And to be quite frank, it was surprising to me that it's been very difficult. It was very difficult to find a location for this work. And there were, um, a lot of potential partners that decided not to to host the work. I don't um, for multiple reasons. For you know, I think issues with the actual subject matter, or you know sure. that that they weren't open open for the work. But it's a beautiful work that's being produced in one of Mexico's um, kind of oldest and most esteemed um, ceramic workshops. And the piece now will have a permanent home in downtown Palm Springs, right between sort of where the Hyatt is and the West Elm, right in the midst of all of the kind of shopping, di shopping district. And it's a project that Felipe will sort of, um, you know, have here for a multiplicity of years. The work encompasses two hands enveloping um, this kind of rhizome of, of vines and flowers. And it's meant to, it doesn't show a figure, but it gestures to this figure coming into being. And Felipe was interested in looking and kind of creating a memorial of sorts for both migrant and undocumented people who live in this valley. Felipe is a dreamer. He's a DACA recipient. Mm -hmm. um, and then also to queer communities of color that are often left out of the better known narratives of Palm Springs as a, as a, as a very sure. inviting utopia. But he asked, well, what, what kind of, of, you know, queer stories are better known, which ones aren't. And so while the mirror doesn't show a figure, it shows a figure coming into being. And it's, it's sort of a reminder, I think, for communities here that there's a multiplicity of stories that still need to be supported and known. And the work will open, you know, towards um, the end of April, along with an installation by Oscar Murillo, another artist, um, Colombian artist, and uh, Felipe's work will be a, a real gift to the community that will be here for many years.
We're looking forward to seeing that. We've got to run, but Stephen, a couple of quick things in Palm Springs life for April and other articles and things we should be watching. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody knows that Modernism Week was postponed, and so it's happening in April. And uh, we've kind of created a a second modernism issue. We always do a modernism issue every February, so we kind of created a a second one here for April. uh, And we focus on two homes that you'll be able to tour uh, tickets are still available, um, okay. and uh, it's the uh, new uh, builds of uh, Ray Cappy. Designed Ray Cappy is a legendary architect. Did over 200 um, designs in LA and Southern California, and uh, it's it's up in the Desert Palisades uh, neighborhood where uh, Doug Aitken had his famous mirrored house a few years ago yes. for Desert X. It's actually on the same site, the same place where Doug's oh. piece was is okay. where this house is sited. Uh, and then the other house just down the hill from um, from the Cappy house is a new is a new design by Sean Lockyer, who does a lot of work here in the Coachella Valley. Um, two so two great houses that you can tour and read about in this issue of, of Palm Springs Life. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Cesar. It's been a pleasure to get to know you and to have you a part of the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast today. Stephen Biller, welcome back. And we'll have you on again, of course. And please keep us updated on your projects and anything else you'd like to uh, confer to our audience in the future. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Well, hello, Jimmy Bogle from the Coachella Valley Independent. How are you? Good, Shen Carter. How are you and John and Brad doing today? Oh, I'm fully vaccinated and uh, happy about that. Yes. All of us, right? We're all vaccinated now. Yes, which is a very, very good thing. And, you know, it's been so exciting to see so many friends getting their shots. And even more today, um, you know, or actually yesterday, based on when the podcast was, now everyone 50 years and older is eligible. And on the 15th, everyone 16 and up will be eligible. So that's very exciting. So amazing. I have a friend who is a, a, a radio friend, and she literally hosts a a very right-wing talk show uh, in South Florida radio. So she's leaning in that direction. She got vaccinated and has had hate coming at oh her. Oh my gosh, really? Which well, blows my mind. anti-vaxxing? Yeah, people, you know, because she got vaccinated, you know, politically wow. it was, you know, not in keeping with what, what her audience was. That's terrible. Which is absolutely nuts. And it's not just, uh, how conservative do you have to be to be a conservative talk show host in South Florida? That's my question. <laughs> Flat Earth. But, uh, but, but even, even here, um, we just, uh, uh, in the Daily Digest on Wednesday, we linked to a piece um, uh, regarding a poll that was done of Californians and the number one group in California that's got the most vaccine hesitancy is members of the Republican Party. And guess which one of the two counties that's got the highest number of uh, people? Orange. Orange. No, Riverside. Oh. Yay. Oh, the high. Oh, sorry. We were backwards on that. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yes, so well, it's it's unfortunate, but um, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are hesitant. The good news is the numbers are going down. People are seeing that um, people are getting these shots. They're seeing the news stories that show how amazingly effective they are. They're so seeing that. What is it that is going, going back up? What are we seeing that is going back up? Uh, everywhere, pretty much other than here, uh, is where the virus is going back up. Is that what you asked? 
Yeah, Sorry. well, I mean, I have been hearing it's going back up everywhere. So I, no. I wasn't sure that it doesn't include us. It doesn't include us. Um, we are one of the fortunate ones right now. I mean, Chile uh, in South in South America, chunks of South America, hospitals are being overwhelmed. Um, on the 31st, France announced a month long lockdown again. Yeah. Um, and in most of the states in um, the United States, it's starting to go back up. Here it's not. And no one is sure why, if it's just a lag or if it's just that our uh, third wave was so bad with the California variant that maybe we've got a little bit higher uh, um, herd immunity than here. Or maybe but, we're outside more. Or, or, you know, also it's important to note that even as we open more here, we're still far more restricted than we are in most states. But That's I true. Think, I think that it didn't get the attention that it should have earlier this week when the head of the CDC broke into tears and said she was scared about what's going on in this country. And so we are not out of it yet. You know, even though here in Riverside County, as soon as next week, we could move into the, um, I believe it's the orange store. But we're not out of this yet. Um, you know, we did a story, um, Brad actually helped give us a heads up on this piece um, about uh, the fact that so many businesses, especially restaurant owners in the Valley are having problems hiring for a variety of reasons. But it, you know, Las Cazuelas on on Palm, you know, Terraza, the big one on Palm yeah. Canyon, which seemed like it back in the before times, it was always open. They're closed on Tuesdays and Wednesdays yeah. because they don't have enough staff. But the thing that I thought was arguably the most interesting thing in that piece is our staff writer, Kevin Fitzgerald, talked to the owner of Piero's Pizza Vino um, down in El Paseo in Palm Desert. And she said this would have been two weekends ago or three weekends ago now, I'm not sure, based on the timing of everything. But they had their busiest weekend ever. Yeah. This wow. is a pandemic limited capacity weekend in March. Normally, you know, Palm Desert during like the tennis tournament is Bedlam. Yeah. Um, yet the owner of Piero's told Kevin that three weeks ago was their busiest weekend ever. People are coming to town. It's nuts. There's yeah. a bunch of business going around, but you know. And that's great, but it also makes me a little nervous because of all the stuff we've discussed. Has, has anybody put the dipstick in the uh, sewage treatment plant? That, that was my numbers? question. How's, how's our poop? That usually predicts 10 days in advance. <laughs> the last two weeks, it's gone up. Mm. The yes. COVID levels have gone up. Now, there's a lag. Like, they just posted on, they usually post on Monday the results from the previous Monday and Tuesday. So, as of the 23rd, so we're actually pretty much two weeks behind this now. Okay. The last two weeks, it's gone up. Now, it's important to note that the curve goes like this, and then it goes down. And when I say it's gone up, it's gone like this. It's okay. not, Good. It's not Good. spiking, but it has gone up. And it's amazing is, that I, I could ask my friend Jimmy what the COVID levels in wastewater are in the city of Palm Springs. And you would have that. And he knows it. Ready. Well, yeah. and as a matter of fact, last week when he put out that issue of the independent, oh, as I was good. sitting poolside with Jimmy, he promised me there would be no more talk of poop because <laughs> things were looking so good. And we laughed and reveled at not having to talk about about poop and the I had to bring it up. Jinxed it. Well, I, I hope I'm hoping that we're not talking about it much more here, but it is it is a concern. I mean, you know, you need to mask up, you need to get your shot when yeah. you're ready. 
even yeah. after you get your shot, you still need to take precautions and not go crazy right. because we're not out of this yet. We all want to be out of this. And locally, it feels like in some ways we are out of this, but we're not. We're absolutely not. Yeah. Even if you're vaccinated, you are not out of this because, you know, the vaccines, well, they're pretty darn close to perfect. They aren't perfect. And, um, you know, it's it's going to be it. it I'm, I'm hoping that we can avoid another spike here. But. Um, you know, you look at the numbers in the wastewater and you look at what's going on in the rest of the country and it's going to be an interesting month of April. No doubt. Hey, Jimmy, you have a new edition, which I held up a moment ago, the April yes. edition. Um, and you're talking about uh, the, the housing issues in the East Valley. Yes. Um, and what else is in the uh, and you can talk about that. And what else is in the issue this month, please? Well, we actually have a the, the joy of doing a monthly print edition is you actually have stories on occasion that are somewhat outdated. Um, we actually did a story on um, talking to the folks at the Cultural Center about their outdoor um, movies that they have, including um, they've this is one of my favorite things that they do um, every year is they actually have uh, programs where you can go and see the various short films that are Oscar nominated that are so hard to see and they're so hard to find. However, I say that story is outdated because they have announced that I believe it's next weekend, not this coming weekend, but next weekend, the Cultural Center is going to be reopening for indoor movies again. Yeah. And so that's exciting. And uh, we didn't have that in the print version story, but um, there it know, is. Yes. Cultural it, Center reopening. Yes, indeed. And that's exciting. And, you know, I would feel comfortable masked up because you're masked up going to see a movie um, there or somewhere else. Um, yeah. And I know that the good folks over there are going to take all the necessary precautions. How do you like my graphics with my iPhone held up to the camera? It's, <laughs> it's the latest thing. You know, it's, it's, it beats finding the file and downloading it and laying it in the video. It's good. You, you know, the reason the reason why I, I come on this podcast is the technology is amazing. No yeah. expense is spared. <laughs> the snacks in the green room are amazing. So, you know, I took my free coffee. You surprise. got a free coffee mug out of the deal. Yes, I did. I did get a free coffee mug out of it. So it's very exciting. <laughs> Jimmy, thanks for coming on this week. Our Thank pleasure. You. Ooh, our pleasure. It's me sitting here alone in an office. <laughs> My pleasure. And we'll have you on again, the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast. Jimmy, the Coachella Valley Independent. Pick it up on newsstands. Subscribe to the Daily Digest, which is now three times a week. And you can also see cvindependent.com for all your news needs for the greater Coachella Valley. Thank you. Dr. Ronnie Sandlow is an author, playwright, and LGBTQ historian. She's been an activist in our community for over 40 years. She is a heart and a mind and a spirit on the front lines in our community right here, boots on the ground in Palm Springs. Please welcome Dr. Ronnie Sandlow. Oh, thank you, Shan. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you yeah, all. Yeah, we love it. We just, um, I have had the good fortune to be in a play with you and attend your writing class and be engaged in all kinds of the special stuff that, that you do. Uh, tell us what you got hot on the burner right now. Oh, hot on the burner. And today is a perfect day because the second volume of my history book, LGBTQ History, uh, is is out on Amazon now, and it this volume covers April through June. What's yeah. today? Tell me, is any any tidbits? In 1896, 
the very first issue of a homosexual publication um, appeared in Germany, and it was published by Adolf Brand, and it was called Der Eigen. Der Eigen. Yes. And the other thing that happened today was that the Netherlands was the very first country to institute marriage equality, and that happened today in uh, 91. And we record this on April 1st, so it's actually April 2nd when this debuts. So you, there'll be plenty of things that people can buy and and uh, and check out in the book so that they've got the day-by-day -day history of what's going on. If exactly. you've been a longtime friend of Ronnie's, you know that a lot of these little tidbits of history and information wind up on her Facebook page in a pretty consistent basis. And so I don't right. know, was that part of the process as you were researching to fill in a bunch of stuff that then fed a book? How did right. that happen? Yeah. Right. Well, I was a professor at UCLA and director of the LGBT center there. Right. And I retired in 2010, but I, I wanted to stay connected to my students. And so I started doing this day in LGBT and then I added the Q history. Um, just to give them a snippet each day of one thing that happened so that they would know that they didn't pop out of a bar last Thursday night, that, <laughs> that we LGBTQ people have been around for a heck of a long time. So I started doing, and I did that for maybe six years, like almost every day, except when I was traveling, yeah. uh, I put it on my Facebook page. And then in uh, 2019, I announced that I wasn't going to do it anymore. And I, I remember I didn't do it for 2020 and I got ragged all year long. Like <laughs> what happened today? So I decided to, and I, I collected all this information. I updated annually. And so I decided I would just make a compilation and I was going to do one book of all this stuff. Well, the first three months took 300 pages. Oh, God. So, and the second three months is 300 pages. And now I'm working on the, the third three months and the fourth three months as well. And so, you've got a deadline. You, 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 like, you've got I to get do. it done. I know. It's self-imposed, but I do. Well, I think that is such an elegant way to write a book, um, oh, yeah. especially this kind of book where it is, you know, it's paragraphs or, you know, small little Blurb. blurbs. But you're just, you know, you're doing it like one teaspoon at a time daily right. and then and then putting it in the book and editing that i'm right. i'm wondering did the eiger the first gay and lesbian publication or gay publication in germany and no it was gay and lesbian it was did, oh, i wonder if they had yeah. personal ads <laughs> <laughs> well it was adolf brand they probably did barrier <laughs> pigeon <laughs> i'm sure there was some uh, missed connections category of some kind. Yes. But one of my very favorite of all of my entries that I've run across so far, really, was, um, you know, Mercedes de Acosta and Greta Garbo were lovers off and on for their whole lives, just about. And, and Mercedes de Acosta was lovers with, you know, Tallulah Bankhead and um, Isadora Duncan and just a whole bunch of women. And so um, uh, Alice B. Toklas said, um, you know, say what you will about Mercedes. She's had the most important women of the 20th century. No doubt. She did. She was the pass around party girl for sure. Oh, uh, yeah. She yeah. was at the top of the heap. And I love that. I love that it was pride and not shame attached to that. Totally. Yeah. yeah.
Could you imagine the drama going out with Garbo? It's like, come over. I want to be alone. Come over. I want to be alone. <laughs> so I know that I did send you a little email about the archival and history and museum seminars that have been going on through Gay Desert Guide. Right. Um, and I really have to encourage you. The guy who leads them is a professor from NYU. Mm -hmm. He comes from, you know, the a specific, uh, uh, whatever, a specific focus on the erotic nature of LGBTQ people throughout art and history. Right. Um, and it's super interesting. He does a couple of racy things that are just about feisty women and uh, <laughs> Very stuff cool. like that. I know. Yeah. So I do know you would enjoy that one of those. Yeah. Keep your well, eyes I, and and I'm, I'm actually very connected to the Stonewall archives in Fort Lauderdale because I'm from Florida. Yeah. So um, a lot of my initial activist work was all in Florida pretty much. So you know, my archives are there. And, and so I do a lot of research out of there. Um, and then also uh, CLAGS, um, City College of New York, uh, has an ongoing um, historical process, you know, that, that um, I'm really involved with. So Dr. Sanlo, your, your classroom used to be the people in the room and then the people that bought your book, and now it's the world, really. Yeah. And well, we want to spread that word. Thank you, yeah. Ronnie, I have to tell you, I, I'm going to, I'm sorry to not call you doctor, but we, oh, we've, known, okay. we've, we've known each other. So, um, but I have to, I, I just wanted to hearken back to uh, Outfest 2014 when yeah. Letter to Anita, the Ronnie Sandlow story debuted at Outfest. Yes. Uh, that film was just groundbreaking for me. It was such, it was, it was just a treasure to see what had transpired? We we all knew the headlines around the Anita Bryant case, right. but we didn't know everything that had happened in the background, how that really affected you, and uh, and what you did to get that overturned down in Dade County. Right, exactly. I mean, that was such a um, all of that. You know, I I teach a memoir writing class, and and I start with turning points in people's lives, mm -hmm. and that was you know, the whole Anita Bryant thing was such a huge turning point in my life because I came out as a lesbian in the middle of that and lost custody of my two children. And they were three and six at the time. And and then several years later, I was uh, I, I had become an HIV epidemiologist in Florida. And um, because I worked with people with AIDS, my ex-in-laws told my kids that if they love me, if they touch me or hug me or kiss me, they're going to get AIDS and die. Yeah. And I didn't see them. They they didn't want to see me anymore. And I didn't see my kids for many, many years until they were in their 20s. Yeah. So the whole Anita Bryant thing um, affected me deeply from that personal perspective. It also kept me mired in a sense of anger. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was the anger that fueled my activism, no doubt about it. But that anger also held me in the past. And what I knew that what I needed to do was something and i found a 12-step program that that helped me get out of that sense of anger so that i could i could forgive forgive myself forgive anita bryant forgive my ex-in-laws and move forward into a future that was going to be far more productive and, and far more healthy 
the way that you have worked through that anger into that film and then um, and then it shifted into the play with a little bit of music and some reading, which I watched you do at the Camelot Theater, the Cultural Center. And then again, now 40 years later or something, you condensed it. And I sat in the audience with 150 high school and junior high school kids yes. when you did it two years ago at the Rainbow Youth Summit. And it's 40 or 50 years old story read by some good old gays in yes. a tiny room with these kids. Those kids jumped to their feet, screaming and clapping. I think you guys all look like you were about to cry at that moment by their reaction. I'm getting goosebumps remembering the story. You know, one of those one of those kids called me three days ago. Really? Of course. Found didn't call me, emailed me, found me, emailed me. That kid got accepted to UCLA as a gay kid. That's and, amazing. And so I was able to connect that kid with the resources at UCLA. Yeah. And now life goes on. We you know? thank you for that connection. Uh, the depth uh, of half of a century and imagining where we've come in that period of time and the powerful uh, hand you've had on the wheel. We are grateful to you. And in uh, 90 you know, days, you're coming back <laughs> for the next for the next edition. The next. Every well, day you're gonna tell you're gonna tell us what happened in gay well, history. <laughs> yesterday was a, a transgender day of awareness. Yes. And you know, I have four grandchildren. My children did return to me. I have four grandchildren. The 26-year-old is Pan mm -hmm. and has been with a woman for six years. The 23-year-old is bi. The 11-year-old is trans. And the seven-year-old is a boy child who has some great role models. <laughs> what a so wonderful. That's why yeah. we do the work, you know. It's, exactly. It's pass yeah. it on. Yeah. Well, we all have a great role model in you. Thank you. John, thank you. You've That's been so raising sweet. the spectrum. Thanks thank for joining you. us today. My Thanks, pleasure. Honey. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Next on the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast, another author in his own right is acclaimed new mystery Upon This Rock. Uh, he also does a lot of work after moving here from San Francisco for Desert Performs, Asia SF, we want to get the dish on that today. Um, he's also on the uh, Palm Springs Sister City Committee and the Palm Springs LGBT uh, Police Task Force, which just had a meeting this week. So, David Perry, we have lots to cover today. We do. Ahoy. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, we love it. And you've got a good a TV history up in San Francisco as well. I doing, do. Uh, yeah. yeah. Thanks for the plug. I appreciate it. I had uh, for 10 years, 10%, the longest running LGBT TV show in California history, 351 episodes. And I'm, I'm hoping to get it back on the air as a podcast, but not to compete with you guys, a sister show. Oh, we have uh, there's plenty of room for all of us. We're at 91 here on the podcast. Well, Correct. I'm a lot older. Yeah. <laughs> so where do you want to start today? Let's start with uh, Asia SF is on everyone's mind. Yeah. And I think that's where we should start today. Well, you know, it's really funny. A year ago, I like to say as a PR person, I helped put together the biggest opening in Palm Springs in 10 years and then COVID hit. I mean, wow. It was a, a fabulous opening. It, it, really it was, was fabulous. But I mean, you know, what what will a pandemic do to, you know, an entertainment venue? We all know, sad. Yeah. But they are coming back. Right now, it looks like we don't have a solid date. Sometime in late September, early October, Asia SF Palm Springs will be back with the fabulous ladies of Asia SF. But 
This coming week, you can see them. You know, I've represented a lot of things over the years, but I'm, I'm proud to say I have my first car wash client. Uh, Quick Quack Car Wash is opening their first branch in Palm Springs this coming week. And whenever they open, they do a fundraiser. And this coming Monday, they're going to do a benefit for a local lesbian couple and their kids who, well, I don't want to get into any details, but they had a rough time during COVID and this will raise money. So if you bring your car to the Quick Quack Car Wash on this Monday, the one right by Desert AIDS Project on Vista Chino, every donation you make will be matched dollar for dollar by Quick Quack for this local family. But the next night, Tuesday, uh, which is April 6th, is the actual ribbon cutting and will be cut by the fabulous ladies of HSF Palm Springs. Just to give you a tease of what you've been missing for a year. I wash my car twice a year, whether it needs it or not. And I think it's about time. So this- I think you should do it for the lesbians. Do yes. it for the lesbians. Right, Shane? Oh, Come on. Absolutely. I'm oh, all for it. I'll bring yeah. my car around. Yeah, Monday. So th- this Monday, April 5th, get your car washed. I'll be there. And Tuesday night, the fabulous ladies of Asia SF Palm Springs cutting the ribbon on the first quick quack in Palm Springs. So what's happening with our friends at Desart Performs? Well, you know, Desart Performs has a great logo this year and a brand that says, keep on dreaming. And they're planning, I don't want to, I can't tell you the name of it, but there is a musical in the future. And of course, with all COVID protocols in place, we'll be hearing plans about that coming up this fall, but they definitely are still going and planning their next season. You know, right now, every entertainment venue is trying to figure out how to do shows, but where to do shows. I just read this morning in the paper that some incredible outdoor music festivals are going to happen starting this fall with limited capacity. So I also promise you Desert Performs will be announcing this season, I would say sometime by the end of July, early August. So go to desertperforms.org for more info, but they're coming back. Now, as we record this, it is April Fool's Day. So let's start a, let's start a, a Coachella rumor that Coachella is going to happen and the limited capacity of 5,000 people. I think it's a great rumor to start. And, you know, as, as soon as everyone gets their Fauci ouchies, I think we'll be closer there. You know, I said there needs to be a new word for 2021, something that combines a sense of optimism, but OWTF, what if something bad happens? You know, it's, it's, it's a tenuous optimism, but I, I just know that a lot of our friends and colleagues have gotten vaccinated, including, I want to give a shout out to a gay veteran, Fred Friedman, 90 years old, Air Force veteran. We took him to Eisenhower, got his shot. Uh, people are getting on, getting on. So I think as the vaccines continue to roll out, we have to remember to keep wearing our masks. I saw some people the other day on Palm Canyon taking off their masks to talk. I'm like, you people aren't getting it. We yeah. need to keep washing our hands, wear a mask and social distance. We will get through this, but you gotta keep on people. We're so close. You've been involved in the uh, LGBT task force with the Palm Springs police. Uh, a community meeting happened uh, the other night. Uh, what did you take from that? Well, I, you know, I, I take a couple things. I, you know, I, I, for over 30 years, worked with the San Francisco Police Department. Uh, and, you know, they are rightly hailed as a leader in having a lot of out LGBTQ police officers. Palm Springs has those too, but people don't realize it. What I took from it is that Palm Springs has a great police chief in Chief Reyes, and they really listen. Uh, you know, uh, Wes Rankin and Ron DeHart, a bunch of other great people, Les uh, from uh, the community center, they're all there and have been doing it for years. I've been on the committee for about a year and a half. And what I take away is that the police force really listens and they care about our community and they want to 
do better. So, you know, the, the meetings we have sometimes get very passionate and these people listen to us and uh, they make changes. I, I was really impressed. Afterwards, one of the officers called me and said, how do you think it went? Uh, he said, oh, there were a couple curveball questions. And I said, listen, I know my community. Those weren't curveballs. Those were yeah. tough balls. They could have been a lot harder. So I had been, I've been trying for the last couple of months to get some information about the Jenny Dillon murder. And uh, I did ask about it. I arrived late at the second meeting. And did they address it? Did they actually give information about it? You know, I, I don't want to give wrong information because I can't remember. I know it came up, but I'll tell you what, Shan, I know a lot of people in the community are concerned about it. And I will, I'm making a note now. Um, our next committee meeting is next week. I will make a point of bringing it up and come back to you with some information. Absolutely. That'd be great. I've been throwing my net out. I just got the Coachella Valley Independent to stick their nose to the grindstone. And uh, Lex didn't really have any info after sitting through that meeting either. So if we're all finally start pushing, I think they're just, they didn't speak about it for a long time. So well, just in the same way, you know, something that I think is really, really significant, uh, Chief Reyes apologized, officially yeah. apologized for the notorious Warm Sands incident. And people say, well, that was 12 years ago. It's like, well, you know what? Uh, slavery was 155 years ago, and it took Bill Clinton to apologize for it. You know, the Pope still hasn't apologized for all the stuff he's done, but I don't want to get into that. Um, I think that was so important. I think it was. And he has done it. He has been the first chief to make that effort. He does it. He's made it multiple times in speaking to the neighborhood association mm -hmm. and whatever opportunity he has. And it is smart and heartfelt and it does connect the community and people need to hear it until everybody's heard it. I agree. It, 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 I trust me. It was authentic and it was meaningful, not only to the people on that call and the committee, but I know it was meaningful to the chief and, and Lieutenant Gus uh, and Nate, all, all the people on the committee. It, it was a significant moment in history here in Palm Springs. You know, when I, when I go to pride and I see the, the police force, man, I just get choked up. I do. I I only get more choked up when I see uh, the kids. Uh, P flag. Well, P flag, kids, and the police. The three P's, yeah. right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, David Perry, thank you for joining us on the I Love Gay Public. Real, real, real quick, I know I've only got thing. ten. I know I've only got ten seconds. So two more things. Sure. One, the other part of Asia SF, the outdoor, the Sonoran Palm Springs, is on April twenty fourth. Huge outdoor bash. It'll be the first event at the Sonoran since it closed. You guys have the news. Hasn't been announced yet. Oh. We'll see you all there. April 24th, big fashion show. Trina Turk's going to be there. Fashions by Mr. Turk, great food and wine. And the last thing is shameless plug. I just found out this week my novel has been nominated for Best Gay Book of 2020 by the Benjamin Franklin Independent Publishers Association. Oh, Congratulations. Congratulations. Wait, Benjamin oh, Franklin was gay? <laughs> yeah, I just outed him. Yeah. Congratulations. We that's, look forward that's to We look forward to being back at the Sonoran, at the Asia SF, at reading your book, and having you back on here with some news and updates. Thank you so much, David Perry. Thank you, guys. Happy April Fools. It's been quite a week in the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast world. We've had a great show today, and we're going to end on a high note as we go into the first weekend of April 2021. It is, uh, of course, Easter weekend, and lots going on around town. Street bars celebrating. They've got a beautiful chandelier that's been nicely decorated, as uh, Dick Haskamp had done for 
years and years there. Uh, but they've got a special on the patio all day and you'll be able to look in and see that great chandelier. Um, the Palm Springs Gay Men's Chorus is doing an Easter parade, but that's next weekend, April the 10th at 7 p.m. at the Palm Springs Cultural Center. Ethelina Can will be the mistress of ceremonies for that. The uh, Oscar-nominated animated short films are happening Sunday as the Palm Springs Cultural Center's drive-in experience continues. And um, there's also some other movie news. Mapplethorpe, the director's cut review with Stephen Radish, our um, theater reviewer and movie reviewer, has been looking at that director's cut. He does a review of that on uh, gaydesertguide.com this week. Well, it's Friday, April 2nd, as we debut this this week, and it is the first Friday Art Walk on Perez Road in Cathedral City. Hopefully you didn't miss that. If you did, it'll be the first Friday in May. ANA Inspiration Golf Tournament has returned to the desert at Mission Hills Country Club in Rancho Mirage this weekend, which means that the Dinah should have been here, but it's not. It's been moved to the fall. Um, that will be September 29th to October 3rd. Tickets are on sale now. Well, we talked about Desert X. Of course, that continues through April. Um, and then there's the Amdocs Film Festival, Animation Festival. That concludes this weekend. Our Man Crush Monday was um, uh, Teddy Groya, who helps out with the uh, Palm Springs uh, 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 Amdocs Film Festival. And then on Wednesday, we ended the month with a Woman Crush Wednesday and a tribute to Women's History Month. All right, Palm Springs Art Museum has now reopened, limited hours Friday through Sunday, and then they will also be open on Thursday. Um, Senior Moment, we've been hearing a lot about that new movie with William Shatner. That opens on Friday, April 2nd at the Palm Springs Cultural Center. So many other things happening. You just need to check out the events section of gaydesertguide.com, and you can get a full listing of everything that's going on. And finally, we welcome a new partner to GayDesertGuide.com, Danya Spa with health, medical, beauty, body sculpting, hair removal, laser treatments. Dr. K is a pain specialist and she can uh, also uh, take care of uh, different needs that you might have, including migraine treatment, et cetera. That's in Rancho Mirage, Danya Spa Medical and Beauty Spa in Rancho Mirage, a new partner of Gay Desert Guide. And I need a body transplant <laughs> too late and things are heating up i saw misters on arenas yesterday oh, oh did you yes i managed to get a water aerobics in four times this last good seven job days. in your so own pool no i'm mooching my way to other people's pools relentlessly jimmy bogle's leaving town for three or four days i'm going to be in his pool every day they, they are called FWHPs, Friends, Friends with, with Heated Pools. pools. <laughs> yep, that's the ticket. It's just his complex. So I have to like go upstairs first and act like I'm house sitting and then, and then come down to the pool. I don't care. Does Smidge go with you? What? Does Smidge go with you? No, it's some complex. No. He's oh, okay. I want to see Water Smidge. You have it's to do some videos pretty. in your pool when it warms not, up. No, he's not pretty. In, in he's a wet dog. <laughs> no. Well, but he's wet adorable. We love Smidge. 
Yeah, we. Hey, uh, uh, felony flats or crack towers or the apartment complex I live in. Yeah. Uh, it looks like our pool's going to be opening. Finally. Soon, so maybe we can water aerobic together. Maybe okay. I can be one of your FWHPs. Uh, it hasn't yours been closed? The entire pandemic. The entire wow. pandemic. That just doesn't seem right, man, but. We're not, we've been paying for it too. So, hey. It's baby steps. We're getting back to normal. Everybody go to gaydesertguy.com. Sign up for the newsletter. It, it really keeps you informed. I don't know how you keep track of everything that's going on, Brad. It, it just boggles my mind. Thank you. But you do. And <laughs> we thank you. And we love Gay Palm Springs. We love you. For info on this week's topics, go to gaydesertguide.com and join the Oasis Insiders Club. Each week, you'll get the Gay Desert Guide This Week in I Love Gay Palm Springs newsletter with news, community events, and hot deals. I Love Gay Palm Springs with John Taylor, Shan Carr, and Brad Furr. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Listen on Apple Podcasts and wherever you get podcasts. <laughs>